my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. You ever feel ripped off by me? That's why we have Clark Stinks. That's coming up later. You get to hear others beefs with me, ways they think I can improve, things they think I get wrong. And by the way, if you ever want to see what people are talking about with me, go to that they're unhappy with me. Clark.com slash Clark Stinks gets you there. So you know what stinks? Customer no service. Think of it. How many different places do you deal with that if you have a problem, you get exactly that, customer no service. And there are certain industries that get by far the worst ratings on customer no service. According to the American Customer Satisfaction Index, the worst ones, pay TV and internet service providers and traditional monopoly phone companies. That's not cellular, that's the phone lines in your home. And think about how interesting that is that those three industries rank absolute worst in customer no service. What is it about them? Well, they are each virtual monopolies. The pay TV, the internet connection, and obviously the monopoly local phone company. And these companies, they're not the only ones that you might name others that you say have the worst customer no service. Many people think the airlines do. They don't rank well, by the way. But what happens when you do call a company? You know, that disgusting thing where they play the bad off-key music and say our menu options have changed, and then you finally get through the phone tree and you're trying to get to an agent. Now, you notice how they want you to talk to the automated attendant, not punch in six or five or three or whatever. The reason many companies are doing that is they're using artificial intelligence software that patterns your voice and figures out how impatient, agitated, or angry you are. And if they are able to track who you are by caller ID, as I've told you before, a lot of companies use um, these indices that develop what's called a profitability index score for you. And so based on your profitability index score, many companies will blow you off and keep moving you down the phone tree. Or if they think you have a high profitability index score, they may answer you a lot quicker. But I want you to know that I have found that dealing with customer no service on the phone line only is effective when you're firing a company or threatening to fire a company and always have an option of somewhere else you can go or else you don't do that call as well as you would otherwise. Because at most customer no service numbers, the only way you get results is when they realize that customer retention, they don't do what you want, you're going away. You're gone. And so that's why always being willing to walk is the core and key to you getting the customer service you're looking for 
instead of the customer no service that companies decide they want to give you day by day. The other thing is I've found that um, when you are not trying to dump a company, but you're trying to solve something, I have gravitated so much to online chats. You have a printed record. With most of them, you can print out what was said in the chat. And I find that I tend to get quicker action and no different results than I get talking to a human where they may tell me with that bad off-key biz, uh, music how much they value me and then leave me on hold for 45 minutes. The chats do seem to move things along quicker. Nick is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Nick. Yeah, hi, Clark. So how are you? Doing wonderful. Thank you. How can I serve you today, Nick? Okay, let me take this opportunity to thank you uh, very much for providing uh, valuable guidance and information about financial freedom and how we can make the most of our hardworking dollar. Really appreciate all your efforts. Been your uh, listener since, I think, six years, and it's been always a pleasure and helpful to manage my money and my day-to-day spending or making the most out of my uh, you know, money. So thank you so much. I'm glad I've been able to be of service. How can I serve you today? Okay. Uh, I had a question on uh, local municipal bonds. Uh, I read online, but it's kind of confusing. There's no straight answer whether it's good to invest in municipal bond uh, compared to 401k or, uh, you know, other tax uh, saving options. I just wanted to ask you, uh, uh, what are the options, you know, like saving in a resident state, counties, or you know, saving in other state, uh, local counties. So if you have any idea or knowledge, I would appreciate if you can share with us. All right. So uh, putting money in municipal bonds, which if you do a multi-state, it means you'll be exempt from federal tax. You have to do a same state to be exempt from both federal and state tax. I only like for you to do a same state fund if it's a really, really big state that's really has a giant economy, like California would be an example. But I, I like the multi-state ones more because you have more diversification if you go into a multi-state municipal bond fund. I don't like individual bonds at all. I only like the funds because the problem in the bond market is that if you buy municipal bonds and you're buying individual bonds, you as an individual buyer get cheated really badly on the buy price and the sell price for them. And you avoid that if you buy a fund because then you've got a huge player buying massive amounts of bonds and they don't get cheated in the marketplace like we do as an individual. But buying bonds is for two purposes. One is for money that you might be stashing as basically short-term money as an alternative to a traditional CD or savings account. And then the other is as part of diversifying your portfolio beyond just doing stocks, that bonds can be part of it. So here's the question for you about municipal bonds. Ready? Ready. Municipal bonds only make sense if you're making big money. Are you married or single? 
Uh, married, but uh, filing as a single. All right. So for you, until your income is above, let's say, 160000 a year, mm-hmm. municipal bonds don't make sense. Above that, they really start to make sense. Because you have to be in a high enough tax bracket to make municipal bonds worth owning. If you want the lowest cost on a municipal bond fund and the variety of choices, go to Vanguard. They are the best at the municipal bond market there is. And their costs on the funds are so little that it's almost like non-existent. But in answer to your question of municipal bonds versus, you said 401k? Yeah, I was just looking for option. I don't want to put everything in 401k. I, I wanted to see if there are any other options I can save money by saving taxes and invest. You know, Right now, uh, I'm only investing in 401k through my company, and uh, I'm doing you know as most as I can. But There's nothing wrong nice, with you yeah. doing that 401k. There's a lot yeah. great about that. And do you have a, an employer match to some amount? Yes, yeah, I have a full percent match still 50%, so. Okay, that's great. Mm-hmm. So you're doing that. Do you have a Roth 401k available to you or only traditional? Only traditional, I guess. That's yeah, too bad. Yeah, to my company, yeah. I so, don't have Roth IRA or right. anything like that. Okay, so the purpose of doing the municipal bonds, I want to make clear, is completely different than your 401k. Your 401k is there to grow your money for the long haul, ultimately for retirement. Municipal bonds or doing a CD or savings account, that's for more immediate needs in your life. So they're not even apples and oranges. They're like completely unrelated groups. So the municipal bonds, it's not like 401k versus municipal bonds or a CD or savings account. Remember, the purpose of each is entirely different. Terry is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Terry. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Terry. You're getting a new car. Uh, Well, currently, both my wife and I lease our vehicles, and uh, uh, the leases expire within the next three to five months for both of them. And uh, my question, which I've had for a long time, is should I continue to lease or should I purchase? Well, how about an alternative, because I'm not sure this is what you meant. What about buying the lease vehicles at the end of their lease instead of doing another lease or purchase? I did that once in the past and uh, didn't have a good experience. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, With the vehicle itself? Only because I felt that the value that I uh, purchased it for, I'd be able to resell it and come out ahead, which was a mistake. Okay. Yeah, you don't you don't do we, it as we would a, each like to be back into new vehicles. Oh, you like new vehicles. Yeah. So if that's a lifestyle choice that you prefer and you like new wheels every two to three years, it's fine for you to lease. Now there would be two reasons that answer would modify. One is if you drive miles far below the mileage that you're purchasing in the lease, which is basically what you're doing for so many miles per year allotment, or you're far exceeding the number of miles typically that come with a lease. How are you doing with miles? Because you've had this experience. How are you doing with these vehicles with the miles? 
uh, we manage it, I think, rather well. My wife's is 12000 a year, mine is fifteen, And we uh, were able to kind of balance back and forth and make sure that we stay within the boundaries. So if you're ending up with her right about 36,000 miles at the end of three years and you about 45,000 yeah. miles, you're hitting optimum economics for doing a lease. So leasing is a lifestyle choice. It's not a financial choice because it's, it's cheaper to have a vehicle and drive it many, many, many years versus doing a lease. But you stated a strong preference for buying a vehicle, I mean, for being in a vehicle just for a few years and then casting it aside. So in that circumstance, I would lease, not purchase. Okay. And Excellent. Are you interested in luxury vehicles or traditional vehicles? My wife's maybe slightly more traditional, and I'm kind of slightly above that. Actually, right now, hers is a Subaru Forester. Mine is a Subaru Crosstrek, but I'm kind of looking at an Infinity possibly next. Okay, so that's, a, that's uh, like a perfect not, example. Sure. An Infinity is a perfect example of a vehicle where the manufacturers subsidize the leases but may not discount as much buying one. So that's a perfect situation that you look at a three-year lease. Steven, congratulations are in order. When are you getting married? Oh, man, it's right around the corner. <laughs> All right. Just in a few days. So it's a little late to ask me for advice on whether or not you should get married. <laughs> yeah, I can't take it back now. Yeah. Well, how can I serve you with your upcoming wedding? Well, when we're combining finances, combining families, uh, I'm 28, she's 26. We've lived a little bit of life professionally, and she's coming into the family with one primary credit card and three old retail credit cards that she has not used in many years. And I have one primary credit card, cash back card that I use for work, and I have an older one I don't use at all. And so wanted to know when you have that many cards involved, I've always heard from you that it's not the best idea to ever close them. If you can use them, use them, pay them off at the end of the month. Right. Um, I'm trying trying to figure out the best solution for us as a family now and then i'll leave you with one caveat the the next thing that that i want to leave on the table with you is that my mother when i was in high school over 10 years ago added me as authorized users to cards that i didn't know about at first and there's two cards out there one's a chase card one's a home depot card and the chase card has a rolling amount of i'd say about ten thousand dollars a month um, I don't use it. I have no, you know, access to it. But that card's helping your credit score. Okay, I was hoping that's what you would say. But I would like for each of you to get one more card, one more major okay. card. You know, the the store cards that your soon-to-be wife has are junk cards. They're not looked at in a good way at all. But just leave them there. But each of you should get one more. Um, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, or Discover. And then if you want to have a joint card, you should get maybe, you know, where you name the other as an authorized user or co-owner, you can do that too. And what I like for you to do is have, each of you have a card since you're in your late 20s, you've been out there on your own for a while. I want you to have a card that 
each of you have for your own spending and then one for household spending. So you don't get into this back and forth in a new marriage. Why did you go spend money on this? <laughs> and on that score, I also really like for a couple at your age to have a household checking account and then each maintain your own too. Mm, okay. And then over the years, as you learn each other's money habits, you'll decide either to keep things like that or you'll more merge your finances. But early, it makes sense not to do that. And I hope that you have just the greatest time together in your new life. I'm so glad to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. You know, that's what we do. We're here for you and about creating financial independence in your life. And so it requires that I be as precise as I possibly can be, that the information I give you is information you can grab a hold of and put to work in your life. And this is a show where we're all in this together. We learn from each other. I learn from you every day. Well, there are times you feel you need to take me back to school where I have not given good information. I've not given maybe what you feel is accurate information or you think I'm just plain dumb. That's why we have Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. You can go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and see what people are unhappy with me about. You can agree, disagree with them, post your thoughts. If there's something I've done that has angered you, upset you, or disappointed you, do a post on Clark Stinks, and others will be able to see what you've said. And then weekly, our producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. Who stinks? Me or Clark? I use my HSA to pay for predictable medical and dental expenses that aren't covered by insurance. If I put $100 in my HSA and then spend that amount on medical bills, I get more bang for my buck than if I use them to pay income taxes on that amount. Clark says you should pay out of pocket and save the HSA contributions so they can grow. Sure, I'd love to do that, but at this point in my life, I just don't have the budget to do both. Seems prudent to keep the government's hands off of a portion of my money and put it to good use. Thanks for all you do, Harmony. Harmony, and I am in harmony with what you posted, because you don't want to let the good be the enemy of the perfect. Is that the expression? I got that right? The perfect be the enemy of the good? Whatever it is. So I always mess those things up. So yes, the absolute best strategy with an HSA is if you can keep funding the HSA, invest the money, and uh, typically the lowest cost ones are going to be Vanguard mutual funds that you would invest the HSA money in, let it grow through the decades, and then you're able to spend that money tax-free way down the road for medical costs, the tax advantage is gigantic. But HSAs come embedded with a great tax advantage, even if you can't do that, and do what you're doing, Harmony. So if you fund an HSA and use it current year or even for the next year or whatever for 
unreimbursed medical expenses, you're still getting the big advantage of being able to use tax-free money to pay for things you'd otherwise have to use after-tax money for. So what you're doing is great, but it's even better if you can afford to let that HSA money continue to grow tax-free well into the future. Hey, Clark, the other day you were talking about depositing cash when you have online banking. You recommended that you could give cash to a friend and they could write you a check. Who writes checks anymore? I have Charles Schwab, and whenever I want cash in my account, I just offer a friend or family member or anyone next to me to take the cash and have them send me PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App right then and there. Easy peasy, John. John, thank you for the suggestion. We've had a number of very good suggestions how to deal with organizations that no longer allow you to deposit cash where you're able to do so. And I appreciate all the suggestions people have posted on our uh, discussion boards about this topic. Some of the ways you advise us to save money require a smartphone and an app. I'm saving money by using a flip phone and consumer cellular. This option is way cheaper, but it leaves a problem. Everyone just assumes you have one so you don't get the discounts if you don't. Seems like you can't have it both ways. Perhaps you can recommend things that don't require a smartphone to save money. It's discrimination against those of us who choose not to have a smartphone. I appreciate that. The good news is that there are many online banks now that you don't need a smartphone to set up accounts with. You just need a computer. You go on your computer and you can set up an account with them. You can link it to your existing uh, checking account and receive interest that's starting to decline now, but somewhere around 2%, plus or minus, on your idle cash, and you don't have to have a smartphone to do that. I think you went way overboard on your criticism of Google and Apple for charging for a service they provide to both developers and users. Both Google Play and Apple's App Store are a curated marketplace for apps that have been scanned and found to be safe. This isn't perfect, but it's far better than downloading apps from the unsupervised internet at large. This curation provides value to both developer and user, and I think it's worth paying for. We can talk about how much it's worth, but it's certainly worth something to me. For myself, I don't think 30% is unreasonable at all. If you don't agree, just see where downloading apps from other various websites gets you. Jeff. Jeff, thank you. I appreciate that and the security issue is a valid one, although in spite of the curating by both Apple and Google, repeatedly tech blogs have found massive security problems with apps available in both the Google Play Store and the Apple Store, the was it called iTunes Store, Apple Store, whatever. Anyway, the App Store, sorry. And so I don't know that having the toll bridge has eliminated the concerns on the security issues with apps. The real purpose of using the App Store as a toll gate is for, uh, particularly in Apple's case, because most Android people won't pay for apps, but it's been a huge revenue producer for them and created a marketplace advantage for Apple, like with Apple Music versus Spotify and others. So it hurts the competitive marketplace, in my opinion. This is more of a buyer beware regarding your recent segment on synthetic grass and artificial turf. There are a couple of things they don't mention in the glossy sales brochures. 
Firstly, in the midday sun, he's in Colorado, the turf gets very hot with direct sunlight overhead. You cannot walk on it barefoot for more than a few seconds without singeing your feet. It's also very slippery with when wet. More about that in number three. Secondly, if there are any double-pane windows on your home or your neighbor's homes close to where your turf is installed, the windows can reflect the sun's rays, creating a prism effect and enough heat that will actually melt the fibers together. This happened to us a few years ago in our backyard. Our neighbor's windows reflected the mid-August sun and burned a three-foot-wide line about 12 to 15 feet long as the sun moved east to west. Thank God the damaged turf was still covered by the warranty. Thirdly, my knucklehead son and his band of cohorts thought it would be cool to wet the turf down with a garden hose and skid their bikes along it. The friction from the bicycle tires caused more melting this time and nice streaks all over the turf. My backyard looked like one of the runways up at DIA after that incident. (laughs) That was an expensive repair as this time it wasn't covered by the warranty. So in sum, the turf looks great, but there are some caveats. P.S., My neighbors were nice enough to put screens on their upper floor windows to prevent the sun reflection from damaging the turf again after it was was replaced. I offered to pay for the screens, but they declined. We bought them a nice bottle of wine. Thanks again for all you do, Steve in Colorado Springs. Steve, thank you for that post. And I love having a post like yours from somebody who's actually installed the artificial grass. The industry has a historical problem with the heat you talked about some of the other things you talked about i was not familiar with but this is an industry that is getting better and better at what they do and the great advantage for you is you never have to mow the lawn you don't have to ever water it either only a slight whiff today i've noticed a few calls where clark didn't know if google maps in ios can download an offline map It definitely can. Just open the menu in the upper left and select offline maps towards the bottom of the list. Keep up the great work, Brian. Thank you, Brian. And what I neglected also to say when that question came up is if you are on a data cap on your device and you have just so much data per month, which a lot of people are still on like five gigs a month, two gigs a month, whatever, there's a great advantage when you're going to take a trip to download maps over Wi-Fi and then you won't be using data at all like you would have been using otherwise when you are using maps later that you've downloaded, in addition to being able to use them when you travel where you may not have cell service. Love your show, but come on. First, ruse does not match rhyme with goose. Pin does not rhyme with pen. Police does not rhyme with fleece, and mint shouldn't rhyme with meant. You talk about credit cards all the time. Costco, Visa, Southwest Visa, Capital One Rewards, and on and on. Let's get down to it. What does Clark carry in his wallet, Jason? We do have an article about that on Clark. Yeah, we do have all my credit cards listed that I carry and why I carry what I carry. Most of the cards I carry are for my corporate entities. Um, Personally, we... Uh, we use three cards, no, four cards. We use the um, Sam's Club MasterCard, the Costco Visa, and uh, for gasoline, I use the Sam's Club because you get 5% cash back on gas on that. Uh, restaurants travel, use the Costco Visa, 3% cash back on those eligible purchases, 2% cash back at Costco. And then I have the Southwest Visa card, so... 
I can earn the free companion pass for my wife every year. And then I have a British Airways visa card so I can earn a free international trip each year that's a companion offer. So those are the four cards that I carry personally. Clark, you reek of rotting Roquefort. Wow, that's fun. It's pretty stinky. In your podcast, you advised a new South Carolina resident that he could leave his funds invested in his Nevada plan and start with a new 529 plan in South Carolina. You told him that rolling his Nevada 529 plan into a South Carolina plan would provide no tax benefit. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Contributions, including rollover contributions to a South Carolina 529 plan, are fully deductible and computing South Carolina taxable income. You may have just cost this gentleman thousands in tax savings, Carol. And we had a couple of posts about that one. I appreciate that. I was not aware of any of the state plans that gave credit for rollovers from another plan. You're allowed to do that once a year, moving from one state plan to another and without any issues. And so I do stand corrected and appreciate, and this is exactly why we do Clark Stinks, by the way, that several South Carolinians notice the error in my words, and now it stands corrected. Clark doesn't stink, but I hope people will continue to think otherwise, just so I can chuckle at the sound bites that introduce this segment every week. Are they from the Three Stooges? Ron. Where are they from? Various places. I did not make that. I believe a gentleman named Craig Carden actually put that together for us. And I think several different movies. And I think the Three Stooges probably are in there. Okay. Well, people uh, are so polarized about Clark Stinks. And I just want to emphasize to you how much I appreciate it. I know people will say, I don't like it when people unload on me. You heard these today. Nobody uh, unloaded in any mean way or harshness sometimes they do but what people did was they used it just as intended as a way to improve the quality of the content that you have on the show and to give me an opportunity to respond when i do respectfully disagree with somebody's post so please go to clark.com slash clark stinks and let me know susan is with us on the clark howard show hi susan how are you i'm doing well clark how are you great thank you you have a question that I'm asked very seldom, and I wish I was asked about more, and that's business banking. Correct. What's your scoop? So I've been with a large bank for over 20 years. Oh, I, man, you um, must hate yourself. Several years ago, pardon? You must hate yourself being with a large bank. I Well, yes and no. I mean, part of it, I've just been um, you know a little lazy because I've got so much tied into it, and I... I have had no fees just because I keep a big enough balance there, but they've been failing me with um, transfers. I do a transfer once a month to send my rent payment to my landlord for my business. And they started sending multiple payments every month. Well, isn't that nice um, of them? They were being so generous to your landlord with your money. Exactly, which you know obviously is a bookkeeping nightmare for them. And fortunately, I had enough money in cover it but we thought we had it fixed and it started happening again this past month so i am ready Time to, to dump them yes absolutely all right well let me give you a couple of ideas because okay. i'd like you to be with um potentially something smaller or something modern i'm going to give you both choices okay okay um a number of credit unions do 
business checking accounts. Mm-hmm. And credit unions are local, they're small. You'd be dealing with people who would know who you were, you'd know them. And what metro area do you live in, Susan? Oh, I'm in Phoenix. Oh, you think how many credit unions there are in the Phoenix metro area. Yes. I, yeah, I've been looking into credit unions and also into online banking. Well, there's one online bank that has uh, a specialty in doing business checking accounts, and you may have already seen them, Axos. Mm-hmm. You, have, you, have you looked at their stuff, axosbank.com? I think I just saw it very briefly, and I haven't started researching yet. So they offer uh, business checking accounts that pay interest with no mm-hmm. monthly fees if you run a decent balance in them. If you don't have a decent balance, it's still free, but you don't okay. earn the interest. And so okay. I would really say when I think about a small business owner looking at where to do business banking, if you like the idea of the high touch of the humans, that the credit unions are really a great source. And if that's not really necessary for you, looking at the online banks is, is a great source. A lot of the online banks will not do business checking accounts. They only do consumer and that's where Axos is different in that they are happy to have business checking accounts and not fee you to death. Okay, terrific. Yeah, I looked into Fidelity Investments as well, but when I looked online, I really didn't see um, everything I needed there. Well, you know, with Fidelity and Charles Schwab that both offer corporate accounts, they're really only almost as a courtesy to people who do investing with both of them personally. Right. So yeah, the, and I do, and I do have an account with them. So, so, but the but if you have a meaningful number of transactions in a month, I don't really recommend Fidelity or Schwab as the okay. place to do business banking. If you have a more modest number of transactions, both of them, as someone who already invests with Fidelity, then it's a great possibility to do your business banking with them. You're listening to the Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.